Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. How's everybody doing? I spoke a couple of months ago, and right after I spoke, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to be asked to speak again really soon. And that may excite some people. It doesn't really excite me. <laughs> it's good to see Ben Roberts here. Hey, hey buddy. Yeah. We missed you, man. And so um, as, as I was praying about what to speak, especially um, in the midst of what's going on with current events, uh, God decided to... Uh, place this upon my heart, and I don't know how this fits with current events, but uh, that's okay. So it was the, smooth, it was the fall of 1987. I was, um, I think I had gotten over my depression of, of not being in the Bronx, and I was living in San Antonio, Texas. I was in Bible college. There's like no subways there. Bus comes like once a day. So there's no transportation. And so I, had, I was a part of a real thriving church, Temple Sinai. Temple Sinai, it was a, a Mexican-American church. It began as a Spanish church, but the pastor's son started an English department, and that grew and outgrew the Spanish department. And then the father stepped down and the son stepped up. And uh, it was an Assemblies of God church. And it was quite unusual because they, they had very few, res, if any, restrictions at all. I guess their superintendent, if any of you know how denominations work, I mean denominations work, um, they could be quite restrictive. And so he had quite freedom. And he, w- he would hold a school of the prophets every six months. And that, when I first heard about that, I, I was like, that's blasphemy, school of the prophets. You can't teach someone to prophesy. Right? The Spirit just overtakes you and makes you move your mouth and talk. And I grew up in old-fashioned Pentecostal churches, so my, my mind said, you know, I think it was Mike Bickle said that God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. And so it was during this time I got to be close to the pastor and close to his son. His son was in school with me. And so I had already been to several of these conferences, and, and one, the, one of the prophets that was there was a guy who passed away a few years ago. He's very dear to our family named Bob Jones. And so every six months, he would come to our church and host the School of the Prophets. And one day, we were, I was invited to go eat lunch with the ministers. I was like, wow, man, this is awesome. And I happened to sit right across from him. And he began to just, everyone else is exhausted at the end of the conference. And he began to talk about, this is 87, 88. And he began to talk about what the Spirit was showing him that God was going to do in the church in the 90s. And he was just going a mile a minute. Every, all the other ministers were exhausted. And he's, for those of you that don't know, he looks like a Santa Claus with no beard. And so he was like the oldest one there, but just full of energy. I, I mean, like, like Andres. was Chacho. Just like, you know he's like 104 years old, right? But, th- but he looks like he's 27. And he has more energy than my grandson. But anyway, that was Bob Jones was just prophesying and prophesying. And, and, and all I kept saying was, man, I don't have a tape recorder or a pen and paper to write this down. And he looked at me and said, I know, you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that you don't have a tape recorder or a pen and paper to write this down. But whenever God does something in the church, universally speaking, he does a sign in the heavens. Because Psalm 19 says the heavens declare 
the glory of God. And I'm like, what is he talking about? He goes, and when you see a sign unanticipated by the scientific community, everything that I spoke to you is going to come right back into your memory. And I thought that was such a strange statement to make. So now I go back home for the summer, and my younger brother has a dental appointment, and my mother couldn't take him, so she made me take him. So I'm sitting in the, in the, in the office there, and there's like no magazines. I'm like, what am I going to do? Maybe this is before cell phones, right? And all of a sudden, the mailman comes in, and he drops a package with a tape and cuts it, and all these magazines just slide. And there it was. I think I still have the copy. It was Time Magazine, Supernova, Explodes, Unanticipated by the Scientific Community. And as soon as I seen that cover, every word that he spoke just flooded into my mind. And I said, there is something powerful about biblical astronomy. And so I want to talk to you about that. Has anyone ever asked you, hey, what's your sign? I was reading an article in the USA Today, and it was an article uh, concerning, it was a survey they had taken. And this survey was about people believing in the supernatural. So, and it was like, do you believe in palm reading and tarot cards and things of that nature? And everything was in single digits, like a 1% of a people believed in tarot cards being real and things of that nature. But there was two things that stood out. They were double digits. And that was, the question was, do you believe that dreams can be a means of communication from God? And 52% said yes. The second thing that stood out was, do you believe in astrology? And 37% of the people surveyed said yes. That's a third a third of society, if it reflects society, that actually looks towards the stars for divine communication. Some of you are like looking down like, mm. <laughs> Psalm 19 is my text. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day it utters speech, and night unto night it reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world and in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. I want to talk to you this morning about biblical astronomy, not astrology, but we're going to deal with that in a second. Because there is something that God wants to communicate to us. I don't know how this fits. I just know what I heard. So we're going to roll with it. All right? So Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, seasons, and for days, and for years. And we know how to measure years and days and seasons based upon astronomy, but the very first word there is, it's for signs, and the word sign in the Hebrew is oth, which literally means for instruction and for teaching. There is something instructional for us that is celestial. Real quiet here this morning. So God named all the stars, and he shared that and named them with Adam. It says in Psalm 147.4 that he counts the number of the stars 
and he calls them all by name. All. Not some, not part, but all. And there are trillions and trillions of stars. So I want to talk to you for a second because when I use the word trillion, I want you to get a perspective that if you would account one million seconds, it would take you 11 days. If you were to count one billion seconds, it would take you 32 years. If you were to count one trillion seconds, it would take you 32,000 years. There are trillions of stars, and God counted them and named them. Enoch, it says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Are you putting the scriptures up? He is? Okay, thank you. Hebrews 11.5 in the King James. You got, you got King James for me? Thank you. You rock, man. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And so what happened is, is that Enoch is this character who walks with God on a regular basis, and he gets caught up into the heavenlies, and God begins to show him a message in the stars and begins to teach him about biblical astronomy. And it came to the point that God just said, no, you don't got to go back. He was translated, and he was not. Abraham, Genesis twenty-two seventeen, Blessings, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you as the descendants, uh, your descendants as the stars of heaven. So on each promise, with every generation, there was a celestial connection. I'm building something here. So now he has, uh, we go down in Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, and we're introduced to this character named Esau. Now you have to understand that back in those days, you were either agricultural or you were a hunter. Okay? So sometimes you have to slow down when you read the word because sometimes the word says things that seem obvious to you, but they really aren't that obvious. And it says here about Esau that Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. Why, does, why did Moses write skillful? He could have just said he was a hunter of the field, but there was something unique about his skills. He was a skillful hunter. Now, let's go back in time again, because we're going to go back and forth a little bit. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So Adam and Eve sinned, and when they sinned, something had to die. Right? The Bible tells us without the remission of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so an animal had to be killed because of their sin. It doesn't tell us which animal in the Bible, but legend has it it was a leopard. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been to Africa, but I've been to Africa, and I love Africa. And in Africa, um, they eat almost anything, right? Because, you know, in certain parts of Africa, there's a lot of Africa that's very well developed. But um, there's a lot of uh, indigenous tribes that they eat whatever they hunt. All right? I know that'll freak some of you out. <laughs> but I, I, spend, I spend a good amount of time in South Africa. And one of the things they do is they, they call, there's a lot of animals in Africa, but there's what's called the big five. And there's five animals that are like the prized possession in Africa. 
And so the elephant, the lion, the rhinoceros, the water buffalo, and the leopard. And all hunters agree that the most difficult to hunt of all the big five is the leopard. And so there is something elusive about that animal. And legend has it, it was that animal that God killed. And so this is where, and you'll see this because you'll see this, if you don't see this in history, you'll see this in perversion. So, um, but people covered in leopard skins. I don't have to go any further, but so they, so when God killed an animal, legend has it, it was the leopard. And so Adam and Eve covered them, were covered with leopard skins. I'm building to something here. Okay. Because what happened is that Adam began to, when he had that leper skin, he passed it on from one son, one generation to the next generation. And it was like a mantle, per se. And it went all the way down the generations, and it fell into the hands of a gentleman named Nimrod. Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah. So now let's go back a little bit. Jacob, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 through 32, now Jacob cooked a stew... And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with some of that red stew, for I am weary. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die, so what good is this birthright to me? And some people joke around that he was so hungry. You know, you, some, you ever feel so hungry, feel like you're going to die? That's me several times a day, but that's, that's besides the point. So what happened, legend has it that when he was out hunting in the field, he came and, and bumped into Nimrod. And he killed two of Nimrod's bodyguards because he saw the leopard skin on Nimrod and felt he should not have that leopard skin. We're going to talk about who Nimrod is in a second. And so he killed, as a skillful hunter, he was able to kill both bodyguards and kill Nimrod and take that skin. But he realized at that point, Nimrod was like the Hitler. He was the most vicious dictator in all of the earth. And he knew after he had killed this, oh my God, I wanted that leopard skin, but now there's a bounty on my head. And so he comes in, he's weary, and he tells his brother this, I'm about to die because they're after me. So what good is my birthright anyway? Anybody ever ask that question? Why did he say that? I'm about to die? Sometimes it's good for us to ask questions of the text. So Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah. So Noah had three sons, one of them being Ham. And Ham had a son named Cush. And Cush was the father of Nimrod. Nimrod's name literally means rebellion. So Nimrod was very angry with God for destroying the earth with the flood. Nimrod was also very angry with his great-grandfather Noah for putting a curse on his favorite uncle Canaan. And one of the things that God established when, Noah, uh, when the flood receded was that you should not touch the blood. The blood was the life that was in man. The, the blood was the life that was in the animals, that you should not take it. And so one of the things Nimrod was famous for was for drinking blood and for hunting humans. It says in Genesis chapter 10, verse 8 through 10, that Cush begot Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. 
and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So at, at first, looking at this text, it looks like oh, he's a mighty hunter before the Lord, like he's a good guy. But that word before in the original Hebrew means against. He was a mighty hunter against the Lord. And so he would, we are made in the image of God. We are the apple of God's eye. And Nimrod was hunting humans, drinking their blood, and doing it in, in God's face, just slaying them. So this was not a good dude. And he was also a brilliant, and he built cities. And the first of the cities that he built was Babel. And it says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, that in the city of Babel, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. And of course, I remember hearing this story being read to me when I was a kid. And you think of a building so tall that it goes up into the heavens, but that wasn't what it really means in the Hebrew. What it really means in the Hebrew was it was, it was tall, it was built up high, but it was also built up in a place of isolation and a place of... of um, it was a place of positioning for viewing the celestial sky, okay? And I know a little bit about that because my wife and I, we did a lot of travel, and we had a chance to go to a little island off the coast of Puerto Rico because I'm half Puerto Rican, so I love, I love the islands. And it was called Vieques, and in Vieques, we, had, we went to a place called uh, Mosquito Lagoon, and it was a bioluminescent bay. And we had to time it based upon the lunar calendar and when you get in the water, these organisms just light up. And it was really amazing. We also had a chance to go to the very end, or it was the most, probably one of the most isolated places we've been to, the very end of the panhandle of Oklahoma. <clears throat> and inside joke there. And, uh, and, and I remember Shani and I sitting up on the patio, and we've never seen that many stars. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like, I feel like I was in a planetarium in the Bronx. Because you would never see anything like that in New York City, right? With all the light pollution. <laughs> and then when we went to the big island of Hawaii, um, which is the largest mountain in the world, Mauna Kea, if you ripped it up out of the ocean, it would be about 7,000 feet taller than Everest. And there are several nations that have their observatories there because Hawaii is the most isolated place on Earth as, as far as distance from continents. And so there's no pollution, there's no light pollution, and because of elevation and positioning, you can see, I've never seen the moon that clear ever. It was like I was looking through a telescope and I'm looking with my natural eye. So there was something about the way the Tower of Babel was built, because the heavens declare the glory of God, and there was something about that message that bothered Nimrod. Nimrod is the founder of astrology. So astrology, if for those of you that probably have ever read your astrological signs in the newspapers, I remember in the New York Times and the Post, the Daily News, there would be a section in the back and it would be your daily horoscope. And some people, oh, I don't really believe it. I just do it for fun. Yeah, okay. I mean, you sacrifice kids for fun too, play Ouija boards. You know? You know, when we talk about growing in the spirit, we, we teach people what well, you read the word because it feeds your spirit. So we think it's okay to just read anything, and like it's not going to feed your soul and affect you. And, it, you know, and then when there are things pulling blankets off of you at night, I wonder why this is happening. Right. You got like 22 doors open for the devil. 
and you're confused. So I'm going to shed some light on this. It's not okay. And there's a reason why it's not okay. So the zodiac sign begins with Aries and ends with Pisces. These are actual celestial um, um, stars that we see a different position every month, and that's how the months change. But it was never supposed to be that. The zodiac sign was a perversion that began with Nimrod. He did not like the message that was in the stars. And I want you to understand that. The original name for the constellation is the Maseroth. And it's mentioned in Job chapter 38, verse 31 and 32, when God says, can you bind the cluster of Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the Maseroth in its season? And so the zodiac begins with Aries and ends with Pisces, but the true Maseroth actually begins with, can you put up the second slide for me, Zach? It begins with Virgo and ends with Leo. Because the stars tell us that a virgin shall conceive. And Jesus Christ is coming back as the line of the tribe of Judah. The key to this is the next slide there. There's, you can talk about the seven wonders of the world or the 12 wonders of the world. Whichever list you look at, the pyramids are on that list. And of the pyramids, there's this one. It's called the Great Pyramid or the Sphinx. And the Sphinx literally means, the word Sphinx means to bind together. In other words, to close a story from beginning and to end. And so this is the head of a woman and the body of a lion. And so even here we see how the celestial bodies begins with a virgin shall conceive, but Christ is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so the Maseroth goes Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo. And so we see this in Genesis chapter 49. We see where Jacob begins to, he knows he's about to go, and he begins to lay hands and impart and prophesy to each of his sons. And each of his sons is given a sign of the constellation that corresponds with each of these signs. And so beginning with Virgo, Virgo was assigned to the tribe of Naphtali, a virgin shall conceive. Now, each of these constellations are comprised of three smaller constellations. So we're made in the image of God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are spirit, soul, and body. And even our body is comprised of our flesh, bone, and blood. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is wisdom, conscience, and communion. So three is a number of perfection. So each of these constellations that you see month by month are comprised of three smaller constellations. And it speaks to us. It utters speech. It utters knowledge. It's there to teach us something. So Virgo is comprised of the following three. The coma, which is a woman and a child. Centaurus, which is the centaur, and the boots, which is the coming one. And I'm going to wrap it up when I'm done here. Libra was assigned to the tribe of Asher. You can go to Genesis 49 for this. I'm not going to keep going back to Genesis 49. But um, Libra was assigned to the tribe of Asher, and it's comprised of these three smaller constellations. The crux, which is the cross. Lupus, which is the victim. And the corona, sorry, it's, it's the crown. Scorpio was assigned to the tribe of Dan and is comprised of the serpentus, which is the snake, 
the officius, which is the snake handler, and Hercules, who's the mighty one. Sagittarius was assigned to the tribe of Gad, which is comprised of three smaller constellations, the Lyra, which is a harp, the Era, which is altar. These are, this is science here, okay? We've already left um, uh, astrology. We're talking actual astronomy here. And it's all in the Bible. I grew up, you know, Christ on the cross, crucified, let's get saved, and, and let's hurry up and do it because tonight could be the night we're going to be raptured away, right? And it was like no education, and then everyone's walking around dumb, right? And so, anyway, I got some issues with that, so you pray for me. I don't have time to tell you about those issues. Set. So then Sagittarius, oh yeah, uh, the lyre, harp, era, altar, and Draco the dragon. Capricorn was assigned to the tribe of Simeon, which is comprised of Sagittarius, the arrow, Aquila, the eagle, and Delphinius, the dolphin. Aquarius, which was assigned to the firstborn Reuben, which literally means boiling over with water, was the Pisces Australis, which is a southern fish. Pegasus, the winged horse, and Cygnus, the swan. Pisces was assigned to the tribe of Levi, comprised of the band, which speaks of the covenant, Andromeda, the chained woman, and Cepheus, the crowned king. Ares was assigned to Zebulun, which is comprised of Cassiopeia with the enthroned woman, Cetus, the sea monster, and Perseus, the breaker. Taurus was assigned to the tribe of Joseph, which is the bull, comprised of Orion, the coming priest, Arandius, the river of fire, and Ariga, the shepherd. Gemini was assigned to Benjamin, which is comprised of Lupus the hare, Canis major the dog, and Canis minor the second dog. <clears throat> and then Leo was assigned to Judah. Judah, whom your brothers shall praise, your hand should be on the neck of your enemies. He lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. Leo is comprised of the hydra, the destroyed serpent, crater, the cup of wrath poured out, and Kovas, the bird of prey. And so what happens is every single month there was a message of the gospel being preached. Before it even happened. Isaiah 40 verse 26. Lift up your eyes and see who created these things. Who brings out their host by number and calls them by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. There is a power in names. And what happens is when you see a name in scripture, it was a prophecy of who they were to be. Some of us, a lot of us have hope because there were people whose names were changed. So there's hope for some of us. But the names are powerful. Right? My wife named our daughters. Shalom is a, a um, Native American derivative of Shalom, which is peace. And anyone knows her, she's very peaceful. <laughs> Miali means mist of heaven, and her middle name, Cassandra, is prophetess, and she flows prophetically. And so it was a prophecy of who they are. So when you see these names in scripture, it's not just, okay, let's just name them, you know, Harvest. You know? <laughs> Thanks, Pop. <laughs> and so it, they actually prayed about these things. My father saw some movie and said, I think I like that. 
Yeah. I didn't hear. <laughs> Psalm 97 6 says, The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. This is what Paul meant. I think, PK, you had mentioned this the other day. This is what Paul meant in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So we're worried about, okay, we want to preach the gospel all over the world. But I'm telling you something. What, what happens if they die and no one preached the gospel? They are without excuse. They can look into the sky, and there's a message being spoken that's clear. It may not be clear in New York, right, because of all the light pollution. But it was clear in Vieques. I'm just saying. Jesus said in Luke 21, 25, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. So when we look at the gospel, Virgo, a virgin shall conceive, there is a Messiah coming. Libra, he will be a redeemer. Scorpio, there will be war and he will die. Sagittarius, he will resurrect and conquer death. Capricorn, from his death, a living people will be born. Aquarius, he will pour out his spirit upon all of us. Pisces, his people will multiply and bless the earth. Aries, his kingdom will come and his will will be done. Taurus, he will return. Gemini, his people will be like him. Cancer, he will never let go of them as his possession. And Leo, he will rule and reign supreme throughout the universe. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. So I ask you, what is your sign? Does it matter? Astrology is about you. It's self-centered. It says in 2 Kings 23.5, then he removed the idolatrous priests. Oh, I, th I thought the phone was ringing. <laughs> Whom the kings of Judah have ordained to burn incense in the high places. To the sun, to the moon, to the constant. Is that PG? So I'm not I'll call him back. <laughs> oh, okay. You need to the constellations, which is the word Maserat there, and to the host of heaven. Understand something. I think I skipped the verse. Astrology. Deuteronomy 4.19. Take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the host of heaven, that you feel driven to worship them and to serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people. He's given it to us. Under the heaven as his heritage. We are not to worship the sun, the moon. I don't worship it. I just read my horoscope. Besides the music and the instruments and the offerings, the other way I worship is when I read the word. I fast and I pray. Worship isn't just music. It's a lifestyle. So don't tell me you're just reading it. Biblical astronomy is about him. Astrology is about yourself. And true biblical astronomy will lead us to Christ every single time. Not just in the Old Testament. Look at the New Testament for those of you that are two book Christians. That was me for a long time. Oh, that's Old Testament. Anything I didn't understand. Oh, that was Old Testament. 
Matthew 2, 2, the wise men followed his star. It says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Matthew 2, 9, that star led to Jesus. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. Matthew 2.10, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Astrology is self-centered. Biblical astronomy will always lead you to worship God. There was no way I could sit there in that patio with Shalini at the end of the panhandle in Oklahoma and see all the celestial stars I'd never seen in the Bronx before and not say, there has got to be a God. There is a message here. It's teaching us something, it tells us in Genesis. There's instruction for us. Psalm 148.3, praise him, sun, moon, and the stars. Praise him, all you stars of light. So I ask you, what is your sign? It doesn't matter what your sign is. What matters is what's his sign. In Isaiah 7.14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we have a lesson here. Uh, if we can have <laughs> musicians. Um, that's amazing. I, I really never really had somebody break down the astronomy of scripture versus the astrology. So now you know. So all of you who've been reading, you know, if you want to come up and repent, or if you want to stay in your seat and repent. Go ahead and do that. I was thinking I was going to do an altar call, but it's like PG sneezes, and there's like 50 people up here. Every time I do an altar call, everyone thinks I dismissed, and they all leave. So I figured, let me just give it a PK. <laughs> so we're just going to stand for a moment. But seriously... You know, yesterday in our men's meeting, we were talking about sharing our faith. And one of the things that we talked about is that when you're out there sharing your faith, there are people who are going to confront you. And there are people who have all kinds of ideals about how the world should be and what the world is about. And I say that in conjunction with this, is that when you listen to a message like this, this is, may not be the type of message that, that warms your heart or warms your spirit, but it's the type of message that I say, okay, we need to renew our minds. We need to be in the word. Because one of the things that we said, you ought to be able to give a defense for that which you believe. And whether you're young or whether you're old, 
we're confronted out there, one of three things is going to happen. We're either going to cow down or we're going to stop sharing our faith. As someone said yesterday, they said, you know, I shared my faith and somebody came against me. And I just shut up from then for a long time. Or we're going to be able to give a defense for what we believe. And so, in all seriousness, we have to really start to take a look at our lives. And I say to you today, in listening to this word, if you're like me, it tells me that we need to be in the word even more so this hour and in this day so that we are able to stand on a firm foundation because God is a universal word being used right now and every time you hear the name God it's not talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob the word God can mean a whole lot of different things if we don't know the word, we're not able to sort that out and deliver the truth. And why is the truth important? Because you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so I want us to just take a moment and sincerely, you know, I'll confess, years ago, I used to read that horoscope. Yeah, baby. But I learned, and I got educated, and I went away from reading that thing. I said, like, I don't really need that. But to understand that the same word can point us to Christ, <laughs> that is interesting. So I want us to just take a moment and bow our heads for a moment. And then your own way. Let's be honest. If you still take a peek at your horoscope or at, your, at the astrology, then in your own way right now, I want you to just take a moment. And let's just repent before the Lord. Let's just ask him to forgive us of our sin. You know, we think about sin and we always talk about, you know, drugs and you know, womanizing and menizing and, you know, abortion and all of these things. But something as simple as reading astrological stuff and relying on that to lead us in our daily walks and activities is sin. So I want us to just take a moment. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if this is you and you want to repent, just lift up your hand because I want to pray a prayer over all of us. If you've been in reading your horoscope or if that's, if you still take a peek at it and that means something to you, just take a moment. And I'm going to just pray this quick prayer and be, will be released for today. 
So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. For truly your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Truly your word, Lord God, has answers for every part of our lives, Lord. Everything we do in life, everything we need in life, everything we hope for in life is found in your word, Lord God. So I ask, Father God, right now that you would release a desire in all of us those who are here under the sound of my voice and those who are watching by internet that you would release a desire and a yearning and a hunger for your word Lord God not just to read your word but to study Lord God when Timothy it says study to show yourself approved a workman not to be ashamed but rightly dividing the word of truth so we repent Father God for giving other things priority in our life to lead us and to guide us in the walk of life we repent Father God and we ask that you would forgive us Lord God and that you would cleanse us from that unrighteous thing that you will begin, O oh Lord God, to lead us once again in and through your word, Lord God. Father, I pray, O oh Lord God, that you will open up our eyes, Lord God, that we may behold wondrous things that we have not known, Lord God, that we would seek your word and we would seek your face, Lord God, and we will follow that path, Lord God above and beyond any other path, Lord God. Father, I thank you for what you've done today in our midst. I thank you, Lord God, for how you have moved in our lives today. And I pray, Lord God, that we have been transformed a little more into the image of Christ, Lord God. And that as we go out of this place, Lord God, we will be able to be your light bearers in the earth, Lord God. And people will see Christ in us, the hope of glory. So, Father, I bless the people, Lord God. And I ask that you be with all of us throughout the remainder of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, if you're a first-time visitor, we would like to meet with you in the room to my right at the back of the church. Otherwise, have a blessed week. And God be with you. tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.